Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When they came to the place that is called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, have been justly condemned, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Congregation may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Every year I remind you that in 1925, a hundred so years ago, Pope Pius surveyed the landscape surrounding the Catholic Church, and there he saw a world of dictators, kings, and tyrants jockeying for power through nationalistic ideologies to rally their people against other countries. It was a post-World War I reality where world leaders demanded loyalty to their causes of fascism or communism or socialism, using all manner of manipulation and propaganda to do it. And so to remind the faithful of where their loyalty really lies and to whom is really Lord of all, Pope Pius instituted Christ the King Sunday so that for at least one day a year, the people of this world would know that Jesus is Lord. And so we still to this day honor Christ the King Sunday. We put out these white pyramids with gold and yellow on them, and we read texts that remind us of the kind of king that Jesus was and is and always will be. One that is placed in a lowly wooden manger at birth, and then at his death is crucified on a lowly wooden cross. Not a king with a crown of gold or a throne, but a different kind of king. And that is why we read these Good Friday texts. Were you surprised at that reading that that's what we read for, for Christ the King Sunday? 
because it is a Good Friday text. You'll only hear it again the week before Easter. We don't read texts that show Jesus in all his glory, like the transfiguration where his face is dazzling white and he's on a mountaintop, or like when he feeds 5,000 from just a few loaves of bread, and, or when he miraculously changes water into wine, or when he resists the temptation of the devil, all those times when Jesus, yeah, that's the kind of king I want. We don't read those texts. We read this one so that we understand exactly the kind of king we're talking about. But do you want to see something weird, something you've probably never seen in worship before? We're going to Google Christ the King Sunday. So Roz, put, put Google up there. Any second now, in this unprecedented move. There we go. Christ the King Sunday. All right, what are you noticing here? Scroll down a little bit, Roz. Look at these images, right? Oh, go back up. I have a favorite one. Oh, wait. Go down. Go down. Okay, I have a favorite one. Look at that one. There's Jesus holding an orb and a scepter. But do you, what do you notice? Glory, right? A king exactly like a worldly king and all those images. Thank you, Rise. And I guarantee you, if you Google that on your phone, it's going to show the same thing. This wasn't a special church Google. But my question is, what is wrong with us? A hundred years we've been trying to remind ourselves that Christ the King Sunday is about thorns and a tomb and a cross, and yet... When we create imagery to celebrate Christ the King Sunday, we make Jesus out to be every bit the worldly king that he is not. One above the fray of pain and suffering, one high and exalted. We are forgetful. And sometimes we reimagine the kind of power that Jesus has. It reminds me of a story from my husband's side of the family. They're all Catholic, which means I'm always right whenever I show up to any event. <laughs> so, in their family, when a child is old enough to say a prayer by themselves, they get a rosary. Do you know what a rosary is? All you know what some of you Catholics probably have one. Sorry to insult you. I'm not I'm only right in my husband's family. The rest of you Catholics, you're just as wrong as I am. <sighs> a rosary, a rosary. It's a, it's a little, it looks like a necklace and it has beads on it so the kids can count their prayers and it's got a crucifix on it, right? And as a soon in the Eiler family, as a child is old enough to say their prayers on their own, they get this rosary. It's a rite of passage. And so uh, my husband's cousin Tim was putting his son Beck to bed. And Beck was probably seven years old or so. And uh, Tim kneels down, he gives Beck a kiss, and he says, you know, good night, buddy, and he starts walking toward the door. But before he leaves, Beck says, Dad, could you check the closet? Obviously a little scared, something's in there. And so Tim says, sure, bud. And Tim starts to head over toward the closet, but Beck says, wait, Dad, stop. Take this with you. And hands him the crucifix. <laughs> And Tim said that actually kind of scared him a little bit. Like, maybe this kid knows something I don't. <laughs> so he said, you know what, Beck, you hang on to that. Why don't you come lay in bed with your mom and me? I can appreciate Tim's hesitancy to test the power of that rosary. Right? 
He knew that Jesus wasn't some sort of magic talisman, that just holding that was going to protect him from whatever was in that closet, not some superhero with a sword who's going to run in and rescue us from pain and disease and hardship. Jesus is not someone who will magically keep our relationships intact or stop us from waging war in our homes or against each other. And that's not the sort of king Jesus is. We look into this world and know that's not the sort of king Jesus is. And the truth is, it's hard not to want the kind of king we see on Google. It's hard to hold on to a crucified king because so often what we want and need in our lives is rescue and comfort. Even Pope Pius lost sight of the kind of king Jesus was. Shortly after instituting this day 100 years ago, he decided to align the Catholic Church with an up-and-coming politician in Italy, a charismatic guy who promised he would make the country of Italy a Christian and Catholic nation, and he did it by, with Pope Pius, establishing Vatican City. That politician's name was Benito Mussolini. And if you're not a history buff, but you like democracy, just know Mussolini's not your guy. And much too late, Pius realized that Mussolini was not going to be a servant king who led people to mercy. Pius would watch in horror as Mussolini threw his hat in the ring with Hitler and the Axis powers of World War II. That is the risk we take when we trust leaders who claim to know the kind of king our Jesus is. So we look again at this text. Every year we look again at the thorns, the cross, the jeering, the pain, and we remind ourselves again that God's idea of royalty is not like ours. For God, power comes through sacrifice. For God, there is no path to glory that sidesteps humility, surrender, and love. And you see that most clearly in the relationship Jesus forms with the two criminals at his side. He offers no condemnation for the criminal who denies him. And yet he also offers no quick fix for the criminal who recognizes him as king. Instead, what he does is he walks through their pain and suffering with them. He does not deny his cross nor theirs, but hangs there with them in that misery. That's what we get, a king who walks with us in our broken humanity, whether we have brought that brokenness on ourselves or whether it has been thrust upon us. And maybe that does sound less regal than we want, but consider what God does with Jesus' death. God brings resurrection. And that is truly the best good news of Christ the King Sunday. Because if God can make a king out of a criminal, if God can bring a savior out of a sufferer, if God can bring life out of death, what can God do with your pain? What can God do with your hurt? How can God harness the heartache you have been through? How can God make use of your suffering? How can God redeem your heartache? Well, I have a story that I think 
perfectly sums us all up. <clears throat> but it's got a problem. It is kind of a fantastical sounding story, and I'm worried that you won't believe it's true. So by show of hands, do you promise to believe every word out of my mouth for the next few minutes? I mean, that's like 2%. I'm going to go ahead and give this story anyway, even though you all think I'm going to be lying. Okay. So it happened at one of the Catholic churches here in town. I won't tell you which one to protect their anonymity, but it, it rhymes with St. Rick. <laughs> anyway, a few years ago, a guy named Eric, I'll call him Eric, he headed to Walmart here in town to pick up some groceries. And so he was in line waiting to pay for these groceries. And he notices two things about the man in front of him. One, the man in front of him has about two, three dozen sticks of deodorant. And two, the man only has one arm, which is kind of a weird combination. So Eric says to the guy, well, that, that's a lot of deodorant, you know, because he doesn't know what else to say and he's staring. And the one-armed man says, it is not for me. My church is doing a toiletry dive for people in need. And this response just automatically kind of humbled Eric. He said, you know, here's a guy whose story he does not know, but he's obviously clearly suffered from the loss of his arm, and yet here he is trying to help other people. So Eric says, gosh, that's incredible. You know, it's been a while since I've been to church. And the one-armed man says, well, you're welcome at our church anytime. We have Mass on Wednesday and Sunday mornings. And so they part ways after that. And a few weeks later, Eric finally decides that he is going to go to church. He's going to go to Mass. And so he decides, I'm going to go on the Wednesday morning. And he gets up and he he goes to Mass at this guy's church, and he shows up, and he sees that the parking lot is full, so he's like, oh, great, you know, I'm here at the right time. Church is obviously starting. He walks in, and right away he realizes this is not a worship service. It's a funeral. And he thinks, oh, my gosh, I, I got to get out of here. He sees the casket up front. He sees the people sitting. So he goes to leave, but the usher stops him to see if he needs any help, and he said, no, 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 I'm sorry. I met a man a couple of weeks ago, and he said, there's mass here on Wednesdays, and I didn't mean to intrude on a funeral. And the usher says, well, that is normally true, but yeah, we have a funeral. And, um, but what was the man's name who helped you? Because maybe I can connect you to. And Eric says, you know, I didn't even think to ask, but I, I can tell you that he, he just had one arm. And right away, the usher's face was overwhelmed with recognition that's Mr. Johnston. He died a few days ago. This is his funeral. Why don't you stay? So here's the point to this whole long, incredible, and absolutely true story. Who knows how hard Mr. Johnston's life was? Who knows the difficulty he endured losing an arm? And yet, look how God made use of that pain and suffering. It drew another man's attention, and it pulled his wayward heart home. Whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through now, 
Christ our King will not magically make it go away, but neither will he let it go to waste. And in and through your life and the experiences who shape who you are, God will bring about light and life and healing and hope in his kingdom here and now. That is a king worth holding on to. Thanks be to God for Jesus. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you, and I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be. Mm -hmm.